This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. It doesn't, it doesn't say when Shavuos is. The way we know what Shavuos is, Shavuos is very connected to Pesach. It says you, you count, oh, thank you very much, thank you. Right. You'll, you'll count seven weeks, you'll count seven weeks and, um, and 49 days, and uh, then you're going to, so, so it, the seven weeks are compared to the seven you made Tahara of a woman, because we were Tameh, um, we were tell me from, from Mitzrayim, from the Avodah whatever it is. And the 49 steps, 49 steps of Kedusha. So there's a major question. Here's the major question. So if we were on the 49th level of Toma in Mitzrayim, and then you count 49, so now you're on the ground floor. You're not, you're not, you're not on the 49th level of Kedusha. In other words, if you have a house and you have, you have 49 steps to the basement. Okay? So you're in the basement, and you go up 49 steps. So now you're at the ground floor. You're not at the, 49th step. To get to the 49th step of Kedusha, it should take 98 steps. 49 out of the Toma, and then 49 of Kedusha. So it should take 98 steps. 98 days, not 49 days. But we see over here that after 49 days, we were already on the 49th level of Kedusha. No, I wasn't. I came out of 49th day. Every day I took away a day of Toma. So now I'm clean, but I don't have any Kedusha. So this is a very big question. What's going on over here? The answer is amazing. There are no 98 steps. There are 49 steps. That's it. When we were in the Triim, we served by the Zara, so we caused the 49 steps to be full of Toma. They were filthy, dirty, Tomadika, Avayi Zara steps. There was only 49 steps. Now when we came to the first step, and we did Tshuva, so we cleaned the first step. So now that step is no longer a dirty step. It's a Kaddishtika step. Then we did the second step. We cleaned the step. So when we got to the 49th step, and we had 48 steps behind us that were clean, we cleaned the 49th step. Now we're on the 49th step of Kedusha. It's not 49 flat and then another 49. It's 49. We took those 49 and we made them dirty and full of Avedizar and full of Averis. Now, in these 49 days between Pesach and Shavuos, we cleaned each step, and therefore we got to the 49th step of Kedusha. So we're standing almost at the, I can't say the step that we're up to, because I didn't say Tzfiri yet tonight, and then I wouldn't be able to make a bracha, so I have to be careful. But we're, we're, we're getting very close, right? We're getting very close to the 49th step of Kedusha. Now, I heard, and it may, first of all, I want to tell you that this past Shabbos, um, I had a Shabbat, I went to a Shabbaton. The first... Shabbaton ever for Jewish people who are blind. So everyone at the Shabbaton was blind. And I was asked to come to the Shabbaton and to give chizit. And first I said, no way. What, what am I going to say? Like what, how do you give a person who lives in the darkness their whole life, sees nothing, what am I going to tell them? So I was very apprehensive about going, but the person who called me from the organization was a very, very sweet person. He said, listen, you're telling me that's it? We shouldn't have a Shabbaton? Like, we shouldn't get chizik? We don't deserve chizik? Like, what? Because we're blind? We should, nobody should give us chizik? Like, what? Like, okay, I'm coming, but I'm not, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to say. Okay. I came with my wife. We were very nervous about it. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a sh- first time they ever did a Shabbaton for Parents with blind children and children with blind parents. So there were adults that were blind and there were children that were blind. 
And the first hour, I was like, I'm going home. I can't, I, I can't, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. I can't deal with this. They had kids with sticks and dogs and, and seeing eye dogs. And the whole scene was just so painful. But they were happy. They're smiling. I'm walking around like, I don't know. A person got up on Shabbos, a blind person, and said the most amazing words I've ever heard in my life. He said, so there, so, so there are families there. So there's one kid that's blind, the rest are not. Or there's two kids that are blind. Or there's three kids that are blind because it's hereditary blindness from certain diseases, whatever it is. So there's families with three kids that are blind. And, 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 but there, there are people who could see that, the families, right? So there are people who can see and there are people who can't see. And this blind person gets up and says, I just want everyone who's here that could see to know that just because we're blind and we cannot see doesn't mean we don't have vision. I was like, in other words, just because someone's blind doesn't mean they have they don't have a vision of, of what they want to be or what they want to do in life. And and it's very sad because he said that eighty nine percent of the, the the blind world has eighty nine percent unemployment. Because everyone's scared to hire a blind person because they're going to fall, they're going to get hurt, they're going to sue me. Not because, not because they're not, they don't have abilities, but they're very scared. He says, well, Wallstein, when you get up to speak, please tell them that we need jobs and we don't... F-. I have to tell you something. I was there from Friday till much of Shabbos at 2 o'clock. I left at 2 o'clock. Not one person fell. Little kids, little four-year-olds, blind. Not, not one person fell on Shabbos. On the Ornava Shabbaton, someone twisted their ankle. Another girl fell down the steps by dancing. Another girl got hurt. Not one person got hurt. He says, like, it's ridiculous not to hire us. We, we don't fall. We don't trip. We, we're, we're kid, whatever. So, so whoever's watching this, whoever's listening, there's, there's no reason that they should be 89% in, in their world of, of, of what's it called, of unemployment. This disease that most of these people have is a is a is a is a hereditary disease that attacks the retina, and and it's you know a lot of them they could see till they were seven years old and then it, it goes down and and they're right now they were talking about. I'm still digesting. We'll see. Not push it. It makes you feel very guilty for what you have and what you don't. What you use it for the wrong things. I have no Shiloh. That boy. That boy who down for the Ahmed and he was learning a whole Shabbos. He was learning. I have no Shiloh. And if I told him, I know someone who does Mifsim. He could give you your eyesight for five minutes. He could do he could do Mifsim, but he can only give it to you for five minutes. What do you want to look at in those five minutes? That would be a good question to ask all of you. If God said you have five minutes, you live in darkness your whole life, and Hashem says, I'm going to open your eyes for five minutes, what do you want to look at for those five minutes? How many of you would say my iPhone? Only the fools in this room would say my iPhone. You'd say, my children, my husband, my wife, um, this boy? I don't have a question I should have asked him, would say a Gemara.
Not a question. Five minutes for Gamara. I would like to see a Gamara. I'd like to see the words. I never saw he never saw the words in a Gamara. He, he reads it with Braille. Let's think about that maybe a little bit on Shavuos. I have five minutes to look at. What would I look at? Maybe we'll change the life a little bit. Stop wasting our visions. But anyway, so let me get to something that I heard today. Which No, yesterday. I was coming down from the ranch. I have the weirdest stories. I'm coming down from the ranch. And I go this, on the Palisades. So in the middle of the Palisades, between Muncie, New York, there's a gas station. They sell kosher food, tuna fish sandwiches, flesh sandwiches. They have everything you can imagine. Potato chips and corn chips. Everything that I love. Right? Nothing healthy. They sell nothing healthy. Everything, everything that is not healthy. So, um, so you, you know what? I'll stop. I'll get, I'll get into trouble if I tell what I, you know, my wife that I bought potatoes. Whatever. I'll stop. I had to go to the bathroom. I had to stop. I had to go to the bathroom. So I stop. I walk out. See, she got out of his car. He's coming from wherever he was coming. He goes, you're Wallerstein. I get that a lot. You're Wallerstein. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's me. He goes, I can't believe it. I was just with my friend on the phone. He says, you have to hear Wallerstein's wrist cheer. I'm like, okay, that's, thank you for the compliment. Now I know why I came here, whatever it is. Um, so he said, what did you say? Tell me your share. I'm in a rush. Wait, tell me your share. I'm like, one second. I'm not going to stand in a gas station now and tell you my share. I told, but of course I did. Um, I told him a little bit of my share. And, he, and in return, he, he told me, he told me about the Torah that he heard. He blew me away. So, I don't know if you know this, but we didn't get the Torah on Shuas the first night, the first day. Everyone thinks we got it on the first day, right? We didn't. Eretz Yisrael totally misses the boat. Eretz Yisrael has one day. We didn't get the Torah at all on that day. We were supposed to get the Torah on the sixth day of Sivan, which is Motzei Shabbos on Sunday this year, the first day of Shavuos. And Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, he made a wrong cheshbin, whether he thought the day that Hashem told him count three days, whatever it is, he made a wrong cheshbin, he said to Hashem, they're not ready. He came on the sixth day, he said, they're not ready. Kleistrel is not ready. I need another day. Okay? Hashem said, you need another day. I'll give you the Torah. We're going to cancel the whole wedding. We're going to give you the Torah the next day on the seventh day. So our first day of Shavuos, we got nothing. It's the second day of Shavuos that we got the Torah. And in Israel, they don't celebrate it at all. So they missed the whole thing. They don't celebrate the day we got the Torah in Israel. They celebrate the wrong day. They celebrate the day before we got the Torah. What's going on over here? Why do we, why do we even celebrate the sixth day? We have two days of Shavuot. The sixth day, nothing happened. We were preparing for Matan Torah. Nothing happened. So why do we celebrate it? So the answer that I always learned was that since when Hashem created the world, He made the sixth day of Siva and for Kabbalah Torah, it was in the blueprints. So even though we asked for an extra day, there's a lot of Kedusha in the day that God chose to give us the Torah, even though He didn't give us the Torah. So even though He didn't give us the Torah, right, the bottom line is, there's a lot of Kedusha in that day. That was a terrorist that I always heard. It's still hard to understand because the Maisa, the seventh day was definitely more Kaddish. So in Israel, they should keep the seventh day, not the sixth day. It's very nice the day I said, shut it up, but the day that we got the Torah. This guy told me something that I know why I stopped in the, I know why I stopped in the gas station. Sometimes you think you know why, but then I know why. He said something amazing. Listen to this, girls. Listen to this. He said, there was a wedding, and it was set up for June 5th. That's when this girl and boy were supposed to get married. All right. Excellent. 
How'd you pick that up? Wow. Okay. Now, what happened on June 4th yesterday, the uncle of the bride called his brother, the father of the bride, and said, I missed my flight from Eretz Yisrael. I'm not going to be able to make the wedding. Could you push it off a day? I don't want to miss the wedding. And his brother, the father of the Kala, said, the band, the caterer, the invitations, the people, the flights, they're all here. We can't, for you, push it off a day. We'll take a video, and we'll send it to you. The wedding's done. The wedding's set up. Okay. What happens if the bride said, I can't make it on the 5th. I'm not ready. I missed my flight. Whatever reason it is, she calls up and says to the chassan, I, I can't make it. I'm not going to make the wedding. Are we going to have the wedding anyway and send the video? No, you can't have the wedding. The bride's not there. So you push off the wedding. You don't have a choice. There's a snowstorm. She can't get there. You're not making the wedding. Then Moshe Rabbeinu went to Hashem and said, we're not ready. And Hashem said, well, then we can't have a wedding. We'll push it off a day. means that we're the kala. We're not the uncle. We're not the cousin. We're not the brother. You can't make a wedding without the kala. So God who made that day for the Torah, when Moshe Rabbeinu said, the kala can't make the wedding, what should have Hashem said? Why can't you make the wedding? Because you're not ready? I am God and I said I'm willing to marry you and you're late for the wedding? You're not ready for the wedding? Your makeup's not on? Your hair's not done? You're not ready for the wedding? Imagine a kala calls the chassan the day of the wedding and says, I'm not coming. I'm not coming tonight to the wedding. But everybody's coming. I know, but too bad. I'm not ready. Have a nice day. And that's breaking, that's breaking a wedding, breaking a marriage, breaking an engagement. We broke the engagement. We're not ready. And the chassan, who's Hashem, said, I love you so much, my kala. You need another day? Another day. All the angels were ready. Hasinai was smoking. Everything was ready to go. <laughs> right? Everything was ready to go. Allah shows up, Moshe Rabbeinu, and says, Sorry, chassan, the kala is not ready. Instead of the chassan saying, really? Well, then we're not going to have a wedding. The chassan said, it's my kala. I'll wait however long it takes. That love is just the biggest celebration of getting the Torah. And therefore, the sixth day, when Hashem showed us his amazing love for Klai Yisrael, and therefore we celebrate the sixth day. I got that in a gas station yesterday. In a gas station. And whatever I get before Wednesday night share is for Wednesday night share. Nothing to talk about. If we understand, I, I didn't bring my, my swarm tonight on, on the whole Shavuos night, what it is, I, I will talk about it on Shavuos night. If we understand that God who's God married a nation of human beings with so with so not, with so earth, with so nothing, we have to go to the bathroom, we have to, we have to eat and we have to drink and, 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 and with so nothing. 
we're so in the animal world, right? And Hashem wants to marry us? Like, like, who am I? Like, what am I? Like, why? And give us not a nine-carat ring, girls. Don't expect a nine-carat ring, by the way, right? Two is fine. For some of you, maybe three is, but that's it. You're not getting a nine-carat ring. Hashem gave us a million-carat ring. He gave us the Torah. You have to understand that the angels in Shemayim fought him and said, what are you giving them? They're not going to keep it. It's for us in Shemayim to watch this million-carat diamond called the Torah, which was created way before the world. Why are you giving it to a bunch of Ben Adam? What are you doing? So what are you doing? Why are you giving this to them? And why do we know it's precious? Because the whole Shivas of Thomas, the whole Tisha B'av, is, is, we're broken because he broke the luchos. If it wasn't precious, and he broke the luchos, you say, okay, it was a, a, a ring for the candy machine for a quarter. So you broke the ring for the candy machine for a quarter, who cares? Doesn't bother me. No, it's Tisha B'av. It's Mamash, the worst time, because the luchos were broken. So this was, this was like, we, we, Shavuos night is such a huge night. And that's why it says that if you stay up the whole night of Shavuos, I don't know if it's, it doesn't say men specifically, but we understand that you stay up the whole night of Shavuos and you don't sleep one second, you're guaranteed to live that, that live out that, that year. It's a machlok, it doesn't mean you'll live till the next Shavuos, or does it mean that you'll live till Rosh Hashanah? What's the difference? I mean, whatever it is, it's, you can't buy life. There's nothing, there's no guarantees to buy life. Imagine if someone's telling you, saying, I can give you something that you're guaranteed to live the whole year out. People would line up and give billions of dollars. Who can guarantee a whole year? The Kabbalah brings down from the Zayar, if you stay up the whole night of Shavuos and you learn Torah, and you don't even doze for a second, you're guaranteed to live out that year. Why? Why? Why are you guaranteed? And staying up all Pesach by the Seder, you're not guaranteed? Or staying in the Sukkah, you're not guaranteed? No. Why? Because the ch- you, you got married that night. What, you, you going to sleep? You going to sleep? He gave you the most precious present. But that present is worthless if you don't use it. So we you, we learn Torah a whole night. We use this beautiful present that Akash Bocha gave us. It's the Kedushin. Like a man gives a woman a ring... God gave us the luchos. The chuppah was he took Harsinai and he put it over our heads. It was mamish, a wedding. You had a band. You had the angels singing. You had you had the choir. You had the band. You had, it was amazing. It was an amazing wedding. It was a fantastic wedding. And the whole world was invited. The whole world was invited. There's a Gemara, and it's so true. The Gemara says that when Hashem gave the Torah the first time, so there were lightning and thunder, and you heard the lightning, and you saw the thunder, whatever that means, and the whole world was shaking. So all the Gayim, the whole world was shaking. The earth was shaking. Like, huge earthquake. When we got the Torah, the whole world was having an earthquake. Can you imagine that? Nine on the, on, on the, on the left, not shaking. Trees were shaking. Rocks were shaking. The whole world was shaking. The Gayim freaked out. And they ran to their leader, Gemara says, Bilam. He was the man. And they said to Bilam, do something. God's just destroying the world. Finished. And Bilaam said, God's not destroying the world. What's happening? He said, God's chosen nation is getting his greatest present. They're getting married right now. That's what Bilaam told the guy. 
says the Gemara. They said, oh, Baruch Hashem. And they went back to their bars and their movie theaters and their TVs and their houses. Frank the Gemara! If Bilam, the Russia, who was their leader, said that the chosen nation is getting the greatest present from God, why did they all become Gerim? Their guy is saying that the chosen nation is getting the biggest present. Really? I, I want to be part of that nation. I want to get that present. Instead, they went home to the movies. Why did they become Gerim? And the answer is, okay, as long as it's not affecting me, have a nice day. The world's not being destroyed. My house's not going to cave in. Right? I'm good. My bank's in my bank. I have some money in my bank. Yeah. Who cares? Let the world shake. They can have the bet. It doesn't matter. So the old, not one of them became a gear. Their Russia told them, chosen nation, greatest present. As long as that happening to me. Or something happened to Israel. I'm okay. Kids are okay. Everybody's okay. Like, what's the first thing? You know, the first thing. When something happens to Israel, you show them you like, you call your kids. They answer the phone. Okay. You're okay. And then you just go back, you go back to whatever you're doing. Why? Because it's nothing to do with me. So the great like, it's nothing to do with me. They went back to it. They went back to what they were doing. But we have to understand that the Shuas, that Kodesh gave us the Torah. He gave us his blueprint on how he created the world. He gave us his mitzvos. And he married us. Very fascinating, interesting thing. Listen to this. So Hashem comes to Klai Yisrael. And he goes to every nation. You want my Torah? What's in the Torah? You shouldn't steal. Not interested. You shouldn't kill, not interested. You shouldn't commit adultery, not interested. He goes to every nation. Shows up by the Jews. He says, want my Torah? Nasem and Ishma. Give it to us, we'll do it. And we'll try to figure out why we're doing it. But we're going to do it. They jumped on it, right? Nasem and Ishma. Then it says that Hashem took Har Sinai and he covered up the whole nation of Christ. And he said, if you don't take my Torah... If you don't take my Torah, the whole mountain is going to crush you all and you're all going to die. So, you're taking my Torah or not? So it's sort of like, the guy gets down on one knee, you don't have to get down on one knee, you guys, it's whatever, just, and he says, will you marry me? And she says, absolutely yes! And then he takes out a gun and he puts it to her head and says, and if you don't say yes, I'm going to blow your head off! She's like, I already said yes. Why are you putting a gun to my head? So if Klai Yisrael said, Nasev Anishma, why Hashem now them HaKadigis? Why is he now threatening them? If you don't take my Torah, I'm going to drop the mountain on your head. You're all going to die. We told you already, Nasev Anishma. Bomb question. In Yeshiva, we call this a bomb question. It's a bomb question. I said yes already. What are you doing? Why are you putting a gun to my head for? Listen to the answer. What's the reward? What's you, you I get more reward. You didn't threaten me. You didn't threaten me. I said, now it's finished. What are you threatening me for now? Now you're forcing me. You're saying, you're dead or take my Torah. Unbelievable answer. And then we'll talk about David HaMelech. There's a halacha in the Torah that if a man forces himself on a woman, okay, it's called a ma'anes, right? I don't want to use the word because kids listen to my shirim. But he forces himself on a woman, then... He has to marry her if she wants to marry him. And he can never divorce her. His punishment for doing... You, you, if you marry a woman, you can divorce her. But if you before before you married her, you were ma'anes her, 
you forced her, right? You did physically forced her. Then if she wants to marry you, for some reason she wants to marry you after you did that to her, right? After you abused her, she wants to marry you. Then, then you can never divorce her. She could burn your food. She could scream at you. She could never make her bed. She could sleep it all day long. She, you are stuck. So before you do that to a woman, you better think about it. That's, it's, that's, that's Allah in the Torah. Because Baruch Hu, it's very nice you said Nasev Inishma. But if you say Nasev Inishma and I marry you, I can divorce you when you misbehave. But if I force you to marry me, if I take a mountain and put it over your head, and I force you, I anes you, I force you, then I can never divorce you. So Kodesh Baruch Hu forced us, so that even when we're bad and he wants to say, bye, I'm out of here, this marriage is over, you can't. According to the Torah, once you're ma'anis me, you cannot, you cannot divorce me. So Hashem did it on purpose for the times that the Christ will rebel, that he'll never be able to divorce us. He will never divorce his nation. No matter what we do, he will never and cannot. That's why, even though after Nasser bin Ishma, he said, I have to be ma'anis then, because now they're saying Nasser bin Ishma, but in 2019, they may say, not Nasser and not Nishma. I'm not interested. I don't want to know why. And I'm not interested in doing it. Doesn't matter, Hashem. You were honest. You took a mountain. You said, if you don't marry me, I'm going to, I'm forcing you to marry me. And therefore, Hashem is now stuck with us. And that's why he did it on purpose. We don't know who God is. Everyone has this thing that, oh, God is this God. You have no idea. No one has any idea who Hashem is and how much he loves us. I know everyone, we all suffer. And we talked about turning the page and, and, and I was just, just, talk, I was talking about it with them, with the people, this, the blind people, this, um, very special tzaddikim. Interesting thing. I didn't say it. I didn't say it at the at the Shabbaton. I didn't want to say it, but I could say it here because it's not the Shabbaton. Chas no one wants to be blind, but all these people have never looked at something that they're not supposed to look at. That boy who down for the Amid, who's 15, 16 year old, will never look at a girl. Will never see a girl, ever. Not in a magazine, not in a movie, not in real life, ever. You know how Kaddish he is? Ever. We'll never ever see something you're not supposed to see. Do you have any idea how Kaddish this boy is? The Nisham of that boy, if you heard him down for the arm, like, I, I was standing there, I was like, I, I, can you take my tiller with him, Hashem? Like, can you like just, like, can I go, can you like send it up with him? Like, because... This was like a minion that was bigger than Yom Kippur. And he wasn't the only blind person dominant. They were all dominant. Amazing. Amazing. And to read in Braille, it's so hard. It's all, it's all dots. It's, you're telling, and the man that writes, writes all this home in Braille, he can see. And he does it for free. And it's very, he's a computer. It's, he has a computer keyboard that's Braille. Not normal. And he does it for free. Why? I said, who in your family is blind? Like, why'd you do this? He said, there was a boy in yeshiva that was going blind. That he, there was his Chavrusi 40 years ago, and he was his Chavrusi, and he said, what are we going to do? So he learned Braille, and he learned Braille, and then he was able to do this Braille for his Chavrusa, so that his Chavrusa could learn with him. That's how it started. Now, every, he's like Arch Scroll. He's doing like every safer in Braille, so they could read it in Braille. It's not normal. There's such good people out there. Not normal how many good people. So anyway, so I wanted to say that at least all of you who can't see, you're, you're Kaddish, because you're never going to see something you shouldn't see. You can't be jealous. You can't see what anyone else has. There's a lot to it. You know, of course, you don't want that, but I was like, these are, these are holy, holy neshamas. Very holy neshamas. 
Anyway, I talk about roofs for a minute. So this I did say. And I said it last week, but it, 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 we have to nail this in. A lot of people are going through a lot of stuff. Everyone in this room probably is going through stuff. I'm sure. And Rus and the army, those two, went through so much pain. Naomi, her name was Noyam, Naomi, beauty, was so rich. The richest family in Israel. Her husband was a shefe, a leader. She had these two beautiful boys, right? I don't know if they were Sradim, but, you know, boys are boys. Boys are, you know, make a bracha. You have a boy, you make a bracha. Tell you what I My girl, I think you say Shachiano. One of them is Shachiano, one of them is. I only had girls, so I, one, I didn't make one of those brachas. But anyway, so, she had these two beautiful boys. A husband, money. We have to, you have, have to think about it. Rich. She left Eretz Yisrael. The major shit she had, I don't even know, I didn't even know that it existed in those days, right? That you had those red bottom shoes. I didn't know they had them. So she had the most beautiful, the major said, she had the most beautiful shoes. I don't know what they're called, but whatever they're called. Right. Jimmy Choo, whatever. So, no, it's not Jimmy Choo, I know that. It's something with an L. Louis Vuitton. Not Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton, right. So the man who says, and then he said that she left with the most beautiful clothing, most beautiful shoes. She goes to Moab, and her husband dies. So she's an almana, and it says there's nothing more painful than a widow losing her husband. And that's why in Eicha, when we're talking about the worst feeling it is, we talk almana. Yushalayim was like an almana. Why not like a yasam? Why an almana? Why not an orphan? Because an almana is the most painful thing. So she becomes an almana. Now she has two boys. Like, maybe more than becoming an almana, she had a future. She got two sons, married two nice Jewish girls, and we have nice Jewish grandchildren. No. They go off the derech, and they do the worst avera that you can do as a Jewish person to your parents, and that is, they marry out of our religion. They marry two Gaisha girls, not Stam, two Gaisha girls, two princesses from the worst immoral nation that exists, Moab. Could you understand where Naomi was? She loses her husband, now her two kids go off to Derech, marry Gaim, which means that all her grandchildren are going to be Gaim. Kares! Finish! Cut off! No children Jewish. Done. No husband and Gaish grandchildren. And then, okay, but maybe my sons will get smart and they'll go to Eshat Torah or Kiriv. They'll have a good cheer. They'll divorce their wives. They'll marry some Jewish girls. And we're going to have Jewish grandchildren. I don't have a husband, but I'll have Jewish grandchildren. They both die. They both die. No grandchildren. Done. No husband, no grandchildren, and she tells Rus, I am not having any more children, I'm too old. So she has kares. She's finished. She has nothing. When she dies, it's over. Her and her husband, their family, finished. Over. Kares. Destroyed. Along comes this Moavi girl and says, Hey, 
I'm with you. I want to be Jewish. Your nation's my nation. Your God's my God. Will you sleep? I sleep. Comes this bomb question. Russ, when you should have become a Jew, you weren't interested in becoming a Jew. To marry the Jewish boy, you should have said, many girls, many Goyesha women say, come to become Giyayim because I want to marry this Jewish guy. We don't let them. Right? She should have said, well, you're rich. Right? I met them when they were rich, when they just came to Moab. You're rich. They're not, they're, they're, they're Jewish. I want to become a Giyayim. Why didn't she come to Naomi then and say, your nation, your nation, my God, your God. Why didn't you become a Giyayim? That's when you say it. Can I marry your son? He's Jewish. Oh, I'll become Jewish. Send me to the rabbi. I'll go to the mikvah. I'll do whatever I have to. Not interested. Now? The guy's dead? What do you, what do you, what do you, what made you decide now when you have no husband, you have no money? This woman, your mother-in-law is totally broke. It says she came back. She had no shoes. No shoes. She came back to Beis Lechem. She had no shoes on. So, girls, what happened? Why does she want to be a Jew? For what? You can't marry them. They're dead. What, what, what are you becoming a Jew for? And they weren't clear. Moavim, Moavis. So she didn't even know that if she becomes a Jew, she can marry anybody. So why did she become a Jew? This is a question that you probably never heard before. Whoever's watching never heard this before. Why did she become a Jew now? She should have become a Giyaris when it would have been important to become a Giyaris. Amazing answer. When things are good, when things are good, Jews and Goyim are not that different. When Goyim have money and Jews have money and everyone's healthy and everything's good, they thank the Lord, grace, they give a little charity, we give charity, we're happy. When things are good, you don't see that much of a difference between the Jewish nation and the, and the non-Jewish nation. So when she, when she got married, things were good, there was money, and got, there was no, she wasn't interested in being a Jew. Why should I be a Jew? You're the same as us. You, you pray a little different. You eat a little different, but you're the same as us. And many times they say, like, Italians are like Jews, same kind, or family conscience. They have a big Thanksgiving dinner, and a big Christmas dinner, and the whole family comes together. They're a family, and they go pray in church. And I hear many times, like, oh, I'm Catholic. I'm like you guys. I'm like, you got seven, I got six, or 13. We'll talk about it a different day. But you're not like us guys. But, 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 yeah. When's a Jew, when is a guy and a Jew different? Here's the Gemara. The Gemara says that at the end of days when Mashiach is coming and we're going to we're having the Olam Habba, the new world, the Goyim come to Hashem and they say, why aren't we getting the new world too? And Hashem says, well, you didn't keep the mitzvahs. And they said, well, you didn't give us the mitzvahs. You didn't give us the mitzvahs. Well, you didn't want the mitzvahs. Well, those are some guys, but we, we those were the guys in those days, but we, we want the mitzvahs. So we deserve to have Mashiach too. It's Gemara. And she says, really? Okay. Let me see if you really want mitzvahs. I'm going to give you one mitzvah. And if you keep that mitzvah, okay. We'll let you have a sheikh too. Now, I'm not God, but if I was God, I'd give him a real hard one. Right, like, Lashon Hara. You can't talk Lashon Hara. Or, Shabbos. Keep all Shabbos with all 49 malachas with everything. You can't even take a bone out of a fish. There's no way they're going to make. They're going to be like, bone out of a fish, right? I'm going to give a tough one. Hashem didn't give him a tough one. He gave the easiest, one of the easiest ones. Hashem said, okay, sukkah is coming. Build a sukkah and eat in the sukkah. 
the Jews built the sukkah, the guy, who usually builds our sukkahs, the guy, right? They went to Lowe's, right? And they got their wood and said they were so happy because they love to build things, right? And they got together on Sunday and they got their, and all the guy, you heard those power saws, you know, they didn't, they don't need the, the click clack ones that we have that you have to put together because they can build things, right? The Jew hires the, the guy to, Build the stuff for us, right? So, so they're, they're like sawing, and they're so happy putting together the screws and the nuts. All right, we're doing the flip, you know, the lighter sucker, you know, just hook it up, let's get it done. But they're, they're into it. They build these beautiful suckers, and they sit down like, this is so cool, like a booth outside, like we built a booth outside, right? Cool. And they're sitting in their sucker, and we're sitting in our sucker, and they're like, okay, this is not a big deal. And she says, now we'll see. And he makes it 120 degrees in the shade. He brings out that sun that he brought out by Avram Avinu. And it's hot. And it's humid. And it's unbearable. And the Jews get up and they leave the sukkah. Because what's the halacha? You're not allowed to eat in a sukkah if you're uncomfortable. Even if you have a lot of bugs. Or you have rain. Or it's too hot. Or it's too cold. You have to be comfortable in your sukkah. So the Jews get up and they leave the sukkah. And the Goyim get up and they leave the sukkah. Because it's very hot. But the difference, says the Gemara, when the Goyim leave the sukkah... They give it a kick. And they're like, this is stupid to have a booth out here in this heat. This is ridiculous. And that's how they walk into their house. That's ridiculous. Baruch Hashem. We have 70, not, they don't say Baruch Hashem, but they're like, thank God it's 70 degrees in the house. They sit in that thing at 150 degrees. The Jews leave the sukkah and they're like, Hashem, come on. Could you bring like a thunderstorm which should pour and it should go down 20 degrees so we can eat in the sukkah? So the difference between the Jew and the guy is when things are not not well. When the things are not well, the guy get angry at Hashem and they kick the sukkah. And what do I need this for? The Jews, when things are not well, they're like, "Come on, make it well so that we can keep the mitzvah." So the Gemara says, Hashem said, "You don't deserve to have the Torah and the mitzvahs. You kick the sukkah." And my children, just the opposite. They can't wait till they can go back into the sukkah. It's like the first night of sukkahs. The most tragic thing, the first night of sukkahs, if it rains. Because it feels like Hashem doesn't want us to be in the sukkah. It's not like, oh great, it's raining, then we can eat inside. We don't have to eat outside with the bugs. No, it's like, we sit in the, we sit in the house and we just wait the whole night till it stops raining. Cause, cause we love our mitzvahs. So, this is the answer to the question. She didn't see a reason to be a Jew when things were going good. Cause the Jews and the Goyim, they celebrate good as the same way. But she saw in the army, who lost her husband, lost her money, lost her children, but didn't lose her God. And said, I need to go back to Klai Yisrael. I need to go back to my roots. So that's why Ruth said, one second, that's how you're reacting to losing everything that I never saw in my life. I want to be part of those people. Your God that you're still sticking with after a Holocaust? That's my God. That's the God I want. Your nation that's after a hunger, after everything, is sticking to God and not kicking the sukkah? Your nation is my nation. Your God is my God. Where you go, I want to go. This, I never saw before. And when things are bad, you get closer to God? That's not a Jewish thing. That's a Jewish thing. So now, after watching you in all this pain, why to be close? I want to be a Jew. And that's why she became a Jew now and not before. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, because this is such a big question. Like, why now did you become a Jew? And 
she goes through Gehenim. Both Naomi and her go through Gehenim. Rus is hated. Rus is judged. Rus is thrown over the fence by the boys because they said, you're stealing from the good Jewish girls. You're, you're a Nachria. Rus is embarrassed. Rus needs a Nechama. Kinechanti. She, she's not accepted in Klai because there's a whole Machlokas. And, and look at this pain that they both go through in Ami and her. But the end, and this is what I did say on the Shabbaton. There's a lot of pain in being blind. There's a lot of pain in being deaf. There's a lot of pain in being single. There's a lot of pain in not having children. There's a lot of pain in being sick. There's a lot of pain in not having a shidduch. There's a lot of pain out there. There's a lot of Naomi's and Rus's out there. And we don't know the reason, and I'm not going to try to give you the reason, because I don't know the reason. If I knew the reason, I'd be greater than Moshe Rabbeinu, because Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know the reason. But the end, the end of Rus, and I'll tell you how, why it's magnificent. The end of Rus is, in the last four words, Yishai Hailed as David. And Yishai, who came from Rus, right? Rus had Oved. And Ovid had Yishai, and Yishai had, had David. At the end, the last words of Rus, Yishai held it as David. Yishai gave birth to David. David had Melech, Aim Hamalchus, which became Aim Hamalchus, Mashiach ben David. But let me tell you why this passage to me, and this is what I said, is so amazing. Because in the beginning of Rus, she thought, Kares, nothing's coming for me. Goyim. And then they died. Nothing. I can't have children. I lost everything. Nothing is coming from me. And in the end of Miguel Asheros, everything came from her. You went from nothing to Mashiach. You can go from blind to seeing beyond what anyone sees. You can go from deaf to hearing more than anyone sees. You can go from a child that's in school, that's ADD, that failed, that everyone said you're never going to make it, and you can change the world. You could be Yishai as a father of David. Coming from a place where there was no future. You were Kares. There was no Jews coming out of you. There was nothing coming out of you. And in the end, Mashiach came out of her. That is such a lesson. And that's the lesson I left in that, in that Shabbaton. That is such a lesson for everybody. Never to give up. And, and to be an army that no matter what you go through, to be, to be a Rus. Your God is my God, and your nation is my nation, and wherever you go, I go. And that's really, we have five minutes left, that's really what created David HaMelech. And I don't have the time tonight, you'll have to come Monday Shabbos to Rabbi Weinfeld, East 22nd Avenue L at 12 o'clock. We have a program from 12 o'clock till 4 o'clock. 12 to 1 I'm speaking, and 1 to last year was at 3.34, you have Rabbi Bitone, myself, Rabbi Friedman, and, and Rabbi Ezra Max, and you can ask any question you want. We're going to come already with very big questions that people have, and we're going to go into different questions. And um, I got a little bit uh, friction from some people that you're making the Jew- modern, it's a modern thing that you're doing because girls are not supposed to stay up at night to learn, and now you're making girls' rights. Girls have to have everything boys have. Why do girls have to have everything that boys have? I'm like, how come nobody complains that girls come to... Uh, to Echa Tisha B'Av Night. When I grew up, girls never came to Echa Tisha B'Av Night. And how about Matzah Shabbos, that the, the shul is full by uh, Slichus the first night, Matzah Shabbos. 
What women ever went to sleep at one o'clock went to, went to Shabbos? But I said, so they started that already. So now I'm just continuing it. Because we're the only women's program. I don't know in the world, but definitely in Brooklyn, the only women's program Shavuot's night. And my answer to that is, the same reason, whoever's watching this who has a problem with this, my answer to that is that, that the same reason that girls learn Torah. Why you learn Torah? You're not supposed to learn Torah. Ramam says, you have no mitzvah of Talmud Torah. You have no mitzvah of Talmud Torah. All these Beis and all these schools, right? You have no mitzvah to learn. So they get very upset, the rabbits, and like, what do you mean? Halachas have no mitzvah to learn. So why do, why did Sarah Shneer start this? Because she realized that in our generation, it used to be that women used to cook and used to work, so, so they didn't have Yetzirahs, right? They learned a little Santa Verena, they, the, they didn't even go to shul. No, no woman in Europe went to shul Shabbos. No such thing, unheard of. Because they were busy. But today, because everything's microwave and everything's fast and everything's done, no, seriously, so you have more time. So the reason that we teach girls Torah, right? So much Torah, if they know the not everything by heart, is to keep you out of trouble. That's the whole reason. You don't have a mitzvah to learn Torah, to keep you out of trouble. So I said, Shuas night is to keep you out of trouble. Everybody's, all the guys are up and they're going to learn whatever it is, and you're going to sit there with your friends and talk the whole night. So come learn. So it's going to keep you out of the same reason you go to school to learn when you have no mitzvah to learn. The same reason you come to night and learn. Ah, you don't have a mitzvah to learn to night? Right, we'll keep you out of trouble. You'll learn something, it'll be good for you. Growth. So it's not to be modern that equal rights. We didn't start, or now it's not equal rights. We didn't start a Shulish share because you have to have equal rights. If the guys learn, the guy, girls have to learn. No, that's not the reason we did it. We did it because, yeah, there were girls that were just on the corners talking because they're up anyway, or in houses talking. So like, why are you talking? Come learn. That's the whole reason that Ronaldo did it. It's not any other reason. The same reason girls learn in school is the same reason that they come to learn. You don't have to come learn. You don't have to come learn. But if you're going to spend the night, the night that Hashem gave us the Torah, the night that Hashem married us, talking to your friends, Lashon Hara, better come to Ornava and listen to a shir. Okay? Now, just very, very fast. We'll end with this. David HaMelech, it's, it's too long. Um, so the, the, whole, the whole thing with the Plishti, right? So you had this Plishti. And um, he was really, really big. And I'll tell you how big he was. He 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 came out against Klyasrol. I just have to skip a lot of stuff here. Um, let's go all the way back. So he 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 came out and he said like this: instead of instead of instead of the Jewish nation fighting the Palestinian nation, let's take one guy. Let's take one guy, right? And one against one, and if the Plishti wins, the Jews give up, and if the Jews win, the Plishti give up. Okay, so who did they send out? The Plishti sent out this huge guy, his name was Golius. Golius came from Arpa. You know that? Arpa, Arpa was Golius's grandmother, and, and Rus was David Amelech, and Arpa and Rus were the two that, that hung out with, um, with Naomi, and Arpa let go and she left, and, and Rus stayed together, so stayed with her, so the, 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 the reward for Arpa was that from her would come this giant, and no one in the world could kill this giant. Only one guy in the world could kill the giant, the one that was better than Arpa. And who was that? Rus. So the only one that could kill the giant, Goliath, was David. But Goliath didn't know that. He didn't know that. He thought he was indestructible. So he came out against the Jews, and he was six amas tall. It says here, he was 13 feet tall. 
that's pretty big. Okay? And he had, he was wearing armor that weighed 250 pounds. The armor alone. And the blade of his spear, just the blade of his spear, weighed 30 pounds. This was a, a killing machine. Okay? So, David Amalek was this little boy, redhead, good looking, and he got, he went to Shaul and he said, Shaul was very scared, and David came to Shaul and said, um, I will, I will, I'll take him down. And Shaul said, what are you talking about? You're a kid, you're a shepherd, you're not a warrior. You see what this guy looks like? He's 13 feet tall. What are you going to do with him? You're a shepherd. You never fought in a war in your life. Right? So, why would the Jews, girls, why would the Jews send, why would they let David go? They, they knew he had no chance. And they knew that if he loses, all the Jews have to give up to the Plishti. So what did David say that Shaul said, you know what? You can do it. He never fought. He wasn't a soldier. Goliath was a machine. What did he say? I want to tell you what he said. But Yom David, he said, what's going on? He asked the people what's going on. And he comes, Vayom David El Shaul. Let me tell you what Shaul says first. Vayom David El Shaul. This little boy, the boy, Nar, says, don't be scared of him. Your servant, me, David. I'll go fight him. You can't fight him. You're a little boy. This guy's been a warrior since he's young. I was a royal. I was a shepherd. I killed an Ari. I killed a dove. I killed a, a bear. I killed a lion. And I saved the, sh- the sheep from their mouth. And this is what David said. That changed Shaul's mind to let him go. Because if David loses, Kaya loses. So why would Shaul let him go? Pasik Lamazayim. By Yom David. So David is now telling Shaul, it's very important. I'm going to end with this. David is telling Shaul, listen to me. I fought a bear and a lion. The bear took my, uh, he was a shepherd, took one of my lambs. I killed the bear. I killed the lion and I got the sheep back alive. So not, I'm the kind of guy that I made sure that they didn't even get the sheep. The sheep came back, I, I, I saved his life. Right? You know who I am? I killed a bear and a lion. So I should be scared of this guy? Do you think that would have changed Shaul's mind? No. It's very nice to kill the bear and a lion. This guy's not a bear and a lion. This guy's a soldier, he's a warrior, he's a tank. He's a killer. So I don't care that you, you killed the, right? But this is what he said. Listen very carefully, everyone. Hashem, God, I didn't do nothing. I cannot kill a lion, and I cannot kill a bear. The same God that killed the bear and the lion, he can kill the, he can kill the giant. What David Wimelech was saying is, I am nothing. It has nothing to do with me. It doesn't matter if you put up a midget, a little kid, a baby, a big guy, a soldier. It doesn't matter who you put up. Because the one that's going to kill the plishti, the one that killed the, the lion and the, and the bear, it wasn't me, it was Hashem.
When Shaul heard that, again, who Yatsalenim Yad Aplishti is there? Not me, Hashem. I don't trust you. You're nothing. You're a kid. But if you go with God and you're telling me that your whole power is God, then God will go with you and you'll end up winning. I will continue this with the Shabbos because it gets a lot deeper than this. Where did he get this from? Where did Abel get this from? Where did he get this from? Any kid that would kill a lion and a bear would come back and say, check me out! Look what I got! A lion and a bear! Wow, would you? I killed them. You want to hire me? Security? I'll watch your house. He came back and said, I did nothing. I'm nobody. I'm, a kid. I'm nothing. The same God, where did he get that from? That God killed them. So you go back to Rus, it's my DNA. You go back to Rus, and what did Rus say? To, to Naomi. Your God is my God. And your nation is my nation. It's all about Hashem. That's what was said. It's not about me. Go home. What, I'm not going to have any more children. Who are you going to marry? What are you going to do? No one's going to accept you. You're going to end up being thrown out of Israel. All this stuff, all this stuff. And Dr. Mel said, no, there is no stuff. There is no stuff. There's only God. And that's what was said to Naomi. There's no stuff. Don't try to talk me out of this. Because your God is my God. And that's it. Beginning of story, end of story. And if your God is my God, guess what? You can go from Kares, your children marrying Goyim and never having any children, to your children being Mashiach. Thank you very much. Good job to the You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.